Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino. I have a very special guest on the show today. It's Hannah Einbinder, who plays Ava in the HBO Max show Hacks, which you've heard me raving about on this show before. If you haven't watched it, go watch it immediately. Now, HBO Max has a lot of great programming. They have The Nanny in full. They also have The OC in full. Uh, but even more importantly than those shows, maybe not more importantly, but as equal of importance is the show Hacks with Hannah and Jean Smart, who Jean Smart is everything in this show. She's so good in it. I predict it's going to win a bunch of Emmys. I think Jean's going to for sure win the Emmy. If there's any justice in this world, she's winning a statue. But I'm obsessed with this show. And you guys know when I like something, I can't just like it casually. I become literally obsessed with it. So it's my favorite show on TV. It's like that and Pen15. I love those shows so much. And uh, we're taking a little breather from the Bravo stuff because Roni is off this week. I'll be back later in the week with a recap of The Real Houses of Beverly Hills. But in the meantime, uh, I really hope you guys enjoy my chat with Hannah about all things hacks. If you haven't watched it, know that there's some spoilers in our interviews. So go watch it and then come back to this and listen or uh, just enjoy if you've already watched hacks. Watch it again if you got to. Just watch it. It's good. And I also, before we even get into the hack stuff, I want to talk about a sh- uh, movie on Disney Plus called Luca. Now, this is a new Pixar movie. It just debuted on Disney Plus. There's so many streamers. I know it's exhausting. We got so many streamers, so many ways to watch stuff. It's hard to keep track of any of these things. I get it. I feel like it's part of my job and I can't even keep track of like what's Paramount Plus or what's this one and that one. It's too much. It's overwhelming. But this new movie, Luca, came out. And I went into it having sort of low expectations and I came out of it being like, this is the greatest movie of all time. Now, here's the thing. Disney has uh, upset me before in the past. You know, when that Beauty and the Beast live action movie came out, there was all this talk, these news articles about how there's an exclusive gay moment in the Emma Watson Beauty and the Beast. It was an exclusive gay moment, read all the headlines, and it almost felt like they were patting themselves on the back for having this one little brief moment that was sort of implied homosexuality between LeFou and someone else. And I was exhausted by it. Because that moment came, and I didn't feel anything for it. I didn't feel like it was this big revolutionary moment. And for how many movies they put out, I think, really, like, you can't give us any gay characters in a hundred fucking movies you released throughout the year. Like, I'm not asking for every movie to be uh, starring gay characters or having gay leads, but I do think when you release a million movies, there should be some characters in those movies that are LGBTQ. Do you get what I'm saying? So anyway, it really upset me. And that that same narrative happened again. I, I don't know if it was Finding Dory or one of those other animated movies where they were sort of touting as having these uh, lesbian characters. There was like two lesbian moms pushing a stroller, and that was supposed to be something that we're all clapping and cheering for. And I just got so aggravated. I thought, we're settling for nothing. We're supposed to be excited about almost nothing. And not only that, when these moments come... When I go to see these movies in the theater and I get to that exclusive gay moment in Beauty and the Beast that I, I'm expecting to be some big moment, 
It's nothing. I don't feel anything. I feel no connection to it. So then when this Luca movie came out, there's been a lot of gay people who said, oh my God, this is a gay movie. And I watched it. And you guys, I felt differently about this one because I felt a a connection to it in a different kind of way. It didn't feel exploitive of the gay experience. It didn't feel like they were... Yes, I would have liked it to be maybe a little bit more explicit, but I truly feel like it was all there in front of us. I feel like these two characters were gay. And I know they're never going to admit that. I get it. And which is fine. But as a gay man, I related so deeply to these two characters. I felt it. I felt it at the very end. Spoiler alert. Turn this off if you haven't watched Luca. Spoiler alert. At the end, there's this moment where the two characters are, uh, one character's on a train and the other one, they're holding each other's hands and they're saying goodbye. And it is such a beautiful moment. And I feel like it's all there on screen. And more importantly, I felt the connection to the queerness of this film. And I think a lot of other gay people relate. And and yes, I, I do wish these movies were in 2021. I feel like at what point it shouldn't be a big deal that we have gay characters in an animated film. I'm not saying they got to be on their knees sucking each other's dicks. I'm just saying we've watched a hundred princess tales and uh, where uh, there's a prince and a princess and they fall in love and they kiss uh, we had a little mermaid where they have a whole song kiss the girl and they're going in the um what is that movie <laughs> going in night they're in the canoe or whatever and those fish are singing at him kiss the girl god that's a good movie isn't that a good movie anyway what i'm saying is there's been so many things like that so i do feel like in 2021 it shouldn't be a huge deal if a side character is maybe gay or not you know it shouldn't be a huge deal and so to get this movie luca it just felt like i saw it and i thought if i had that as a kid i my life would have been maybe totally different i might have felt comfortable coming out Because when I was growing up, I didn't have a lot of gay representation. And that's why we talk about it on Everything Iconic so often, because there's still ways we have to go for gay representation. And I don't think every movie needs to represent every experience. But I do think it's very powerful when you can see yourself on screen. And when I was growing up, when I was coming of age, I had to sneak in my parents' basement to watch Queer as Folk on the Showtime channel that we didn't even pay for. We had one of those, I don't know... The cable guy, I remember like in the 90s, they would hook you up. Like the cable guy would just give you one of those black boxes and give you every channel, but you never had to pay for it. I'm not even sure how that worked. It was like a black market cable box. But I would have to go in the basement. And that was one of the only shows where I'd say, oh, that's what happens when gay people are adults, which it's not everyone's experience, but it was like, at least I got to see some gay people on screen or Will and Grace or some of these queer stories that were told on TV. And so, you know, I think with all sorts of minority groups, there's still a ways to go. We talk about disability representation on this podcast quite a bit because it's so important to be able to see yourself, to see what your life can be. I didn't have a lot of queer people around me growing up. You know, I was in a suburb of Ohio outside of Cleveland. There weren't a lot of queer people for me to look at and say, that's what my life can be. So you look to pop culture, you look to media. And if there's nowhere to see yourself, it's hard to know that your life in the future is going to be okay. And so that's why I think it's so important. And this movie, Luca, to me, it was all there. Yes, it wasn't explicit. And the the filmmakers have come out and said that the experience they were showcasing was prepubescent uh, within these boy fishes. (laughs) So weird that I'm talking about like the serious uh, topic in regards to boy merfishes or whatever the fuck we're calling them. Uh, But the fact is... To me, it was all there, and I think that's what a lot of queer people are picking up on in this movie. And it was also beautiful and funny and all of these things. But 
you know, I hope you'll watch it and I hope you'll enjoy it. I also hope I'm not overselling it because I really liked it. Maybe you'll watch it and you'll say, Danny, that was shit. You know, sometimes I recommend shows or, or movies on here and you guys will write me. You'll say, you know what? I didn't like that. Uh, but I'm here to say that I loved it. And so check out Luca on Disney+. Plus. Very wonderful film for the kids. And nothing inappropriate, too, by the way. There's nothing R-rated. It's a very G-rated picture. Uh, it's just this beautiful love story between these two young men, and I thought it was great. Not even men. They're merfishes. Anyway, uh, and speaking of representation, also, Hannah and I talk about the bisexual representation in Hacks. And so I want to play my interview with Hannah. I will leave you guys with this. Again, we'll be back later this week with a recap of The Real Houses of Beverly Hills. Please find me on social media at Danny Pellegrino on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to support this podcast, go to the Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash everything iconic. And if you donate $4 or more per month, you get access to the bonus episodes. I do one a month. And then finally, if you want everything iconic merch, just go to everythingiconic.store, everythingiconic.store. So with all that said, I will leave you with this chat with me and Hannah Einbinder from Hacks, which is now on HBO Max. The entirety of season one is up there now. So go watch it, enjoy it, and watch it again. Gene Smart is everything, and so is Hannah. They're great. The whole supporting cast, too. I mean, everyone is great in it. So check it out. Uh, I love you guys, and I will leave you with this uh, chat with Hannah Einbinder. Bye-bye. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Hannah, how are you today? I'm well. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm like sort of obsessed with hacks. Are you finding that a lot of people don't just like it, they like are obsessed with it? That is what I am told. That is what I am told. It's it's nice. And I, I, I mean, I feel obsessed with it. I feel like I'm watching the episodes like alongside everyone. Like there were some weeks where they gave me screeners, but I was like, I want to experience this collectively with the group and like do a little. It's just, I love it. So, so good. Talk to me about how it came about. Like, how did you get this role? Maybe a little bit about the audition process and all of that. I got the audition sides in my, my inbox, uh, like a couple days before the, the initial lockdown. When I read the sides, I, I became, um, kind of obsessed with it. Uh, and so I was like, Oh, it's going to really suck when I don't get this. Cause this is so good, but I can't wait to watch it. You know, Did you know it- that Jean was attached at that point or was she not on board? I believe she was. Okay. I- she was. The audition process was pretty long. It's not that there were many auditions, but because of, you know, safety concerns, we kept pushing everything. I wonder if you have any awareness of how much maybe the scripts changed because of COVID. Were they all written hmm. prior to COVID or? I think little things, right? So if there's something where it's like, we're in a crowded grocery store or a crowded blah, 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 that maybe is altered to be, you know, to communicate whatever needs to be communicated, but in a way where not a lot of people are needed. Um, Certain things you can't get around, but those things tended to be open air, like the extras on a bus in that scene that was completely outside. Um, So I think little things like that, but I don't think anything too major changed because we were doing, you know, all the safety precautions anyway. You know, one of my favorite scenes, there were obviously so many memorable moments, but I love the scene with your character and the Kiki character singing the Selena Gomez song and driving around. Uh, I want to just sort of dive into that scene. Like, what do you remember about filming that? Well, that was Poppy's first scene. And it was um, the first time I ever met Poppy. 
And so they were, they were like coming off a plane from New York. They were like, they got the call, maybe like, I think they booked that gig like a couple days before. And so they were like, okay, I'm here. Like it was all very like a kind of a whirlwind. And so they came in and we connected immediately, but I attribute that to Poppy being such a, um, such a beautiful uh, healing presence. And we just kind of connected immediately. And um, I was really, that was like pretty early on in filming. And, you know, I, I, I was incredibly um, anxious and self-critical as I am in life. Uh, <laughs> and so that was actually the first time I relaxed on set because Poppy, I, I really think they had this, this loving sort of light to them. And we got in the car and I'm telling you, there is probably 11 minutes of footage from that, of us completely improvising, riffing for minutes at a time. Like it was so much fun. It was, you know, real. It, we were laughing. We were excited. It was like us meeting and becoming friends in this moment. So that was real all of it you know there was no I don't feel we were really acting you know it's such a powerful scene and uh and it it, what's interesting to me about it is it it feels very powerful but there's not like incredibly powerful monologuing or or anything like that it's just a a connection between the two of you in that moment that I just think is amazing Uh, I want to talk about bisexual representation in media, we often talk on the show about representation. And did you have input on how the character of Ava was represented in those ways in terms of her bisexuality? Does that make sense? Absolutely. I, I would have been listened to as I was every time I said anything about anything, but I didn't need to. Like she was written by queer people. So she was written well, in my view, you know, so it's such a relief to not have to, it's such a, it is beyond a privilege to not have to be like, ah, um, you guys kind of threw this detail in, you know, for whatever reason, like, no, it was like, here's this character. And like, this is a, you know, huge part of her identity, but it's not everything. And she's at work and that's the focus of this, but you know, queer people actually more, you know, we do things other than just like <laughs> like we have appointments and things. Yeah. Um, Lots of appointments. Yeah. I think places to go, people to see. Uh, so, so yeah, like luckily they were, she was, pr- you know, that monologue, the Ava Deborah scene where Ava's kind of like clarifying what's going on for Deborah. That's the first, I believe that is, that is the first draft that I got. And what I read on that day was what I got. People are kind of arguing back and forth online, whether or not Ava is funny. Huh. Do you think Ava is funny? Um, yes, I do. And I think anybody who's talking shit about Ava can absolutely S my D. Okay. <laughs> She's my friend. Back off. Um, <laughs> I love that. I I don't want to like I don't want to hear people talking shit about her because I I feel like it's so entrenched in this like misogynist lens of like well she's not ugh, it's so like this it's the most classic like chauvinist note of like well she's not even you know it's like w- the women aren't funny like whatever. <sighs> 
I get it. When I was growing up, I always hated that question because I I truly, as a gay man, I was always attracted to female comedians. I related to them more. So I was always like, I don't think men are funny. Like I don't. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's, yeah, no, it's, it's, um, I, I just, uh, I can't wait for us to be like so post-gender. But to answer that, I think that the show, the reason the show, one of the reasons the show is great is because it does not dwell so much on the comedy itself. It's about these relationships and these people and their inner lives. And so, um, you know, the focus of the show is not on the act. If it were, you would be seeing Deborah on stage constantly. It would be more about workshopping. Like it's really about this world. And so when people say like Ava's not funny, it's also like, that is by the way, like, yes, obviously like whatever I think she is, whatever, but everyone is super, super, super entitled to whatever opinion. It's all good. But it's just like, you know, comedy is so subjective and, I think when you juxtapose these two very different styles, like a lot of people are conditioned towards, like Ava says, this very male setup, punchline, whatever. So Ava is kind of speaking for and tapping into this thing that is very prevalent in LA comedy today um, that I think a lot of people haven't seen yet. And so they become confused because they're like, what is this? Which to me is the point. And I'm like, jokes on you. Also, generationally, I just think, you know, if you look at someone like Joan Rivers, who was a brilliant comedian, amazing, she had a different style of comedy than a lot of young comics do here now. Um, Let's take a quick break here, and then we'll come back with more from Hannah Einbinder. Look, the weather's getting warmer. You got to ditch the jackets, the sweaters, and you got to put on some shorts and tees. And if you're anything like me, you hate getting all the new stuff. But luckily, I've found Quince, and Quince makes it so easy uh, to get clothes. I used to waste my money on clothes that would only last one season. That was until I found out about Quince. Now I've got high-quality pieces that never go out of style that I'll be wearing year after year. Quince has all of the seasonal must-haves, like 100% European linen shirts from $30, performance polos. Those are my personal favorite. I always love getting new polos for the summertime, and they have a fantastic selection. I'm very particular about the collar, and I love the collar on the performance polos that I got. They also have versatile flow-knit activewear, and the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to all of us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, along with premium fabrics and finishes, which I love. Feel good about shopping with them. Now, again, I got those polos, but I also got some shorts, some t-shirts, just some basics that I can wear year-round. So upgrade your wardrobe. Go to quince.com slash iconic for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's quince, Q-U-I-N-C, com slash iconic to get free shipping and 365 day returns quince.com slash iconic oh i love that sound don't you and that's the sound you're going to hear when you switch your business to shopify the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell online in person on social media and beyond uh, we use it here at everything iconic shopify is the best all-in-one commerce platform capable of handling all your business complexity, no matter how big you grow, I think it's fantastic. You're probably thinking, sure, but 
migrating is going to be a headache, but Shopify's app store has the migration apps you need to migrate all of your products, your orders, your customers, and more uh, from every major e-commerce platform all the way to Shopify. And I always hate when I'm shopping online and I have to re-enter all of my information. Well, Shopify store remembers your shipping address, your payment information. So if you're on the couch and your wallet's on the kitchen counter, you don't have to get up, which is nice. So sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash everything iconic, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com slash everything iconic. Shopify, S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash everything iconic. All right, I'm sure a lot of you out there can relate because every time there's a commercial break and I'm watching one of my shows, I'm always hopping on the Redfin app or website because I just want to check out real estate listings. Like I love checking out real estate listings, even for the houses that I cannot afford. It's my favorite app to use Redfin. Uh, I just got a home, of course, but it was a pretty stressful process. And if I would have known how easy Redfin was, I think it would have helped out a lot. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes and sends you personalized recommendations. So finding the home that's perfect for you has never been easier. See something you like? Well, book a tour straight from the app. And when you're ready to buy, an experienced local Redfin agent can guide you through the whole process, making it so easy. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents know how to get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents with a listing fee as low as 1%. Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards your next home. Now, that's a great thing. I love using Redfin. I love checking out. If you're buying or selling a home and you need some help with that, check out Redfin. Download the Redfin app to get started. Okay, I got to talk about Jean. We yeah. love Jean's a queen and icon and a legend. Tell me everything about her. Also a star, if I may add. Yeah. Just yeah. Um, <laughs> did you watch uh, like Designing Women? Did you like, where did you fall yeah. with her before? You know what's so funny? I uh, sort of like looked back on things I'd seen and realized that Jean was a part of it. Like I was a huge Kim Possible fan as as a kid and Jean played Kim Possible's mom. And like there were little things like that where I'm like, I mean, Jean's in everything. So, um, but like, I mean, I just remember watching her on Watchmen and being like, whoa, like she's so cool. And I was looking her... I was looking up her press because I was like, I want to like see who, how she is. And I was like, Oh, she's so chill. And then I was like, Oh, she's from Seattle. Like everyone from Seattle is cool. Um, So like, it just became this, like, I had all of this background knowledge on her and I had seen all these things that she was in. And then I did extra research and was like, okay, who is this person? And like all of the looking at her filmography and it's just like, (sighs) it's everything. yeah, it's everything. I got to see so much more. I had forgotten she was in the Brady Bunch movie, like the yeah. the 90s version of the Brady Bunch. And I had rewatched it recently and she's like the horny neighbor. And I'm like, God, she's, just so, <laughs> she's just amazing and everything. Um, okay, so where is it go? Where's Hacks going? Do you guys, have you started season two? I know you got picked up for season two. Do you know where the, the stories are going? I haven't seen anything yet. Um, I have no, not even an inkling of an idea, truly. Okay, what do you want to happen? And then I'll tell you what I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, God, I mean, I would, I would love to see them 
on the road, but I also do, I'm also incredibly puzzled as to how the little like sort of twist at the end is going to play out. I don't know what will come of that because as we know, Deborah Vance's philosophy is never forget, never forget baby. But, you know, I feel like these two are kind of growing and I almost feel, I don't know. My feeling is like, does this count in the apology that just happened? Can Ava just be like, Ooh, and by the way, uh, there was this one other thing that I forgot about because I was blacked out and sorry, or, you know, I don't know how that is resolved. And that's where I just say peace and love and blessings to the writers because they're going to figure that one out. Um, But uh, yeah, I just hope that they continue to grow and thrive, I guess would be what I want to see. What about you? Yeah, you know, I, I you mentioned the location and it is appealing to think of them on the road, but also okay. on the flip side of coin, the coin, I love this whole Vegas atmosphere. And I think yeah. a post pandemic Vegas would be really fun to see on screen. Right. Uh, and yeah, I kind of want them to team up against that, the, the other scripted thing. Like I want to see Ava and Deborah team up together, but I know, like I trust the, the writers they're just going to be amazing yeah Yeah. uh you had said in vanity fair that this job rewired your brain and helped give you some self-esteem i wonder if you could just expand on that a little bit yeah um i think with stand-up comedy which is my background there is this external feedback uh loop that one becomes dependent upon for uh, emotional wellness and well-being, because if I'm feeling like shit all day, I can get on stage. And if those people laugh at me, then I have some worth in the world. Um, But this kind of um, changed that feedback loop. And while I was getting feedback from Lucia and Paul and Jen, who I want to make happy and proud more than uh, anyone in the world, um, I still sort of had to get used to no laughs because we're, of course, recording sound. And so the work became sort of internal. And if I thought, oh, that was good and that felt good, it was because I was feeling, you know, Mm. so it it almost um, it rewired sort of the way that I felt good, you know, because it wasn't this like live one shot, you know, this group of people either likes me or they don't like I had to kind of kind of go inside a little more and do work that was not even comedy at times, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and also it just was like, it, it was just like such a loving, supportive, cool environment where everyone, a lot, it was a lot of women and a lot of queer people. And it was just like, People were nice and supportive and loving. And I was like, oh, this is healthy mm-hmm. <laughs> as opposed to me being. In, and by the way, like there are so many people like that who are standups, who are my family and my blood and I love sure. them. But as a culture, I would say like stand up comes from this like patriarchy, heavy institution sort of fraternity thing. And so there is toxicity there. And I almost was like, oh, it can be like this sometimes. Like you can go somewhere where there are these people that, um, I don't know. It's kind of like run by mostly women and you're like, Oh, okay. Like, you know, you're in like, it, it just was a, a shift that I'm like, so, uh, so grateful for, you know, I, I actually had met your mom at the groundlings. I did the whole groundlings program and coming from that whole world where it is also dominated by straight men 
Uh It can be, sometimes you get into another space and you realize, oh, it doesn't have to be like this. And it's, it's refreshing. It is. What's, what do you want to do next? I mean, I'm sure that this is opening a lot of doors for you. Uh, Is there like a dream project or, or I I don't know. What do you want for next? It's a weird way to phrase that fucking phrase. What do you want for next? (laughs) What I want for next, and I'm glad you want for next. Um, I'll tell you. I, (laughs) I mean, I want to keep doing stand up, and I also would like to, you know, be involved with characters that I see uh, myself in, and that um, feels accessible to people who maybe feel like me. Um, or identify with elements of, of my experience. Um, I, I really just uh, am interested in um, playing, uh, I suppose, non-male characters um, who feel um, deep and authentic and um, imperfect and uh, just, I suppose, you know... Uh, funny and and i love comedy and i i i'm starting to really love the um dramatic work as well so really just something that i feel connected to that would be a blessing and um so great and you're such a successful stand-up comedian too outside of hacks is there any advice you would give someone uh, who's starting out their stand-up yeah. career or their Absolutely. comedy career Um, Well, it depends where you're starting. I would say that if you're in LA, there's a great website called thecomedybureau.com. And that has a list of all of the open mics in the city. And I believe um, New York has a version of it. Um, Certain cities have versions of this, or there's like Facebook groups, like blank, blank comedy scene. And so I would join those groups and I would find those open mics and hit as many as you possibly can. Um, as you know, as many as you can in a night and write as much as you possibly can, but also uh, carve out time for you to have um, another hobby to live your life um, outside of that. And just to work hard and be nice and, um, you know, find influences everywhere and really dig into the files, you know, go down to Deborah's basement, watch the old tapes, you know, uh, do your homework. <laughs> By the way, not to interrupt you, but I did just read that Jean had done the funeral scene in Hacks right after her husband had passed. And I just, reading that felt, it felt powerful. It felt like, a, I don't know. I just thought it was amazing. Jean is um, uh, among many beautiful, lovely, delicate things. Um a, an absolute fortress and pulled strength from a place I did not know existed. And she was a consummate professional and um, I cannot imagine having it in me. And she did. One of the things I love so much about the TV landscape right now is that we're getting a chance to see a lot of these older actors who, uh, uh, older actresses who, have always been amazing, but finally getting them to see it, to shine in different projects. And Jean is one example of that, but I hope it just continues. And Hacks is truly, I, I'm not even bullshitting you. I, to me, it's the best show on TV, that and Pen15. Like, I just think the two shows are just the most brilliant things on TV. And sometimes you watch them and you're like, oh my God, I'm like almost jealous that these people are 
doing this brilliant thing. And, but I, I just think it's so, so good. So I want to wrap up, Hannah. I ask every guest these last two questions. Uh, well, their favorite Mariah Carey song. And then I want to know, like, who was your childhood crush? Like, did you have a childhood celebrity crush? Oh, my God. Uh, well, my childhood celebrity crush, this is so funny. Uh, in Ava's bedroom, there are photoshopped magazine covers. And when Jen asked me who would be there, I said, well, here I am pulling for my life, Jesse McCartney. And Jesse McCartney. Beautiful soul. Beautiful soul. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the very one. <laughs> He uh, watched Hex and saw it and like put it on his story. And so I talked to him and was like, hello, Uh, my childhood bedroom was plastered with your very, you know, um, soft, beautiful face. And um, there was no, you could not see the walls because it was you know, Tiger Beat magazine, like fold out three, you know, whatever. Um, and he was so lovely and so sweet. And so um, that that's a very full circle psychotic. Did you know he wrote Bleeding Love, the Leona Lewis song? He wrote, he, I think he even recorded it, but he, he, he wrote that song or co-wrote it. Oh my God. I didn't know that. I mean, look, you know, he's, he was my hero for a reason. Right. Okay. And favorite Mariah Carey song. To me, the most iconic one is um, All I Want for Christmas is You. And as as a Jew, you know, I had no choice but to learn that, right? Because we live in America. But I I kind of love that because I didn't have like Christmas songs, but that one was the one that felt accessible because it is Mariah Carey. And that one just permeated. There was no way escaping it. But there's really no wrong answers here in the Mariah Carey portion of the show. Uh, Hannah, thank you so much for taking the time. I'm honestly such a huge fan and I can't wait to watch what you do next. And any idea of when we might get hacks season two, like can, I need it right now. I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know when we're going to start shooting to be honest. Okay, well, um, Hannah, we need to figure that out and you need to let me know. Cause I'm desperate okay. for it. Thank like, you. Desperate. For this was really a lovely conversation. Oh, it was totally my pleasure. Hannah. Thank you. Thank you. I love decorating the house and getting furniture, but sometimes it could be overwhelming to design a space. And so luckily I'm here to tell you about a company called Cozy. Now Cozy is fantastic, a North American company that thoughtfully designs furniture made for modern living. Now Cozy strives to provide the best furniture shopping experience with elegant, super high quality products, plus fast delivery and easy assembly, which is really important to me because I do not like putting together furniture. So the easier, the better for me. Now Cozy offers a beautiful, customizable sofas and sectionals that are made to adapt in time. This means customers can add seats to the sofas over time. Maybe if you're extending your family, you might want more space on the couch. Cozy also offers a great range of coffee tables, washable rugs, wall shelving, credenzas, TV stands, and accessories. So much. It's thoughtfully designed furniture made for modern living. There's an outdoor sofa and tables collection that is fantastic. It's called the Mistral. So you can choose the perfect sofa configuration for your outdoor setup. Uh, Cozy also opened its first retail space on Queen Street in Toronto to push the experience to the next level and allow customers to engage physically with the products. So transform your living space today with Cozy. Visit Cozy.com, spelled C-O-Z-E-Y, to start customizing your furniture today. Again, that's Cozy, C-O-Z-E-Y.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This podcast is brought to you by Acast. Go to acast.com slash everything iconic to listen to all of the everything iconic episodes. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.